Happy Monday, it's Carolina Gellin. Welcome to Scraps, my brand new Substack newsletter, which I'm very excited to talk more about. I figured I would share a little audio note with every single post I'm posting on here, just for the sake of keeping things more personal. Maybe you don't have time to read it, so I figured I will read it to you. Maybe you want to go for a walk and just listen to something random, so that's what I'm here for. Today I'm sharing with you a no-fuss, one-bowl chocolate cake recipe and the behind-the-scenes of developing a recipe. According to my initial plan, I was supposed to start sharing recipes last Sunday. I had a recipe ready to go. I tested it, shot it, filmed it. I was so close to publishing it, but something about it didn't feel special enough for it to be my debut newsletter recipe. So I decided to postpone it. I've been meaning to develop a rich, juicy chocolate cake for the longest time. Not sure why it took me this long to do it, but here we are today. A no-fuss chocolate cake seemed like the proper recipe to start this newsletter with. You're signing up for a recipe in which everything happens in one bowl. You'll need a whisk, a spatula, and that's pretty much it for the utensils. I promise you this is not one of those things where it's like, oh, this is a one bowl cake, but you need seven other bowls for seven other things. No, it's a one bowl and that's it. I topped the cake with whipped cream in the photo attached to this post, but I must admit I did it solely for aesthetic purposes. It honestly doesn't need the cream. You can finish it off with a dusting of cocoa powder or powdered sugar if you want to go above and beyond throw a scoop of ice cream next to it and that's a pretty great combo this is the type of dessert that can be a birthday cake if you throw some frosting on top something you can bake in a rush for unexpected guests coming over or a cake you can bake on a monday and have it for breakfast throughout the week next up we have the recipe written down with ingredients substitutions instructions i feel like i should go over the instructions just for the sake of doing it i know it might be a little bit boring but here we go i promise you the process of making this recipe as as easy as it can get. You're going to start by heating the oven, greasing a pan, and lining it with parchment paper. Then you're going to get yourself a big bowl, a whisk, and dump a bunch of stuff in there like eggs, sugar, oil, cocoa powder, instant coffee, salt, heavy cream, baking soda, and vinegar. These are essentially our wet ingredients. You're going to whisk them until they're nice and smooth, then add the flour and baking powder to the bowl and whisk again until it's smooth and pretty much lump-free. It's okay if you have like a couple of lumps, but don't, don't go too crazy. This isn't like a pancake batter or anything. I never whisk the flour and baking powder in a separate container. I always just like sift the flour over the wet ingredients, add the baking powder on top, and then like gently massage the baking powder in the flour to like evenly spread it and everything. But you don't need a second bowl for that, to be honest. I've never had any issues with it. If you want to do that, do it, but don't get another bowl dirty if you don't have to. Pour the cake batter in a baking dish and bake for 30 to 35 minutes. I always hate giving time estimates just because our ovens are very different. So just keep an eye on the cake and start checking the oven 20 to 25 minutes into baking. The more cakes you bake, the easier it'll be to tell when a cake is ready to come out the oven. It should look hardened on top and bouncy to the touch. Like if you touch the middle of the cake, you shouldn't be able to tap into liquid. It should be kind of like bouncy i feel like that's a good word to describe it allow the cake for rest for a few minutes at room temperature slice it and serve this is one of those cakes i like to serve while hot and steamy i feel like there's just something about it especially if you top it off with some ice cream the contrast between temperatures i know it's not for sensitive teeth but there's just something about it store the leftover cake at room temperature in a closed container up to four to five days i feel like this is one of those cakes you can just like munch on throughout the week what i like to do is microwave it for a few seconds before i serve it with like a cup of coffee on the side again you can eat it at room temperature but it's like 10 times better hot 
that. Now I'm going to move on to the second topic of the day, which is the behind the scenes of recipe development. Ever since I received a few requests in the past to share the thought process and behind the scenes of developing a recipe from scratch, I figured this would be the ideal recipe for a case study. These are the main steps I like to follow whenever I whip up a new recipe. First step, define your goals. This is probably the most important step when it comes to developing a recipe, defining what you want to create. My intentions were very clear with this chocolate cake. I wanted an easy, approachable, no-fuss chocolate cake recipe. I wanted everything to happen in one single bowl. I wanted a visibly moist cake. One of those cakes you slice into and are like, wow, that looks moist. And last but not least, I wanted no store-bought chocolate involved. Melting the chocolate is a whole extra step and mess I wanted to avoid in this case. Now that we defined some rules for our recipe, it's time to play around with measurements. Let me preface this by saying every single recipe developer has a different technique when it comes to creating new recipes. Some start from scratch, from nothing, and some start with an already existing recipe they use as a guide. I'm very much an eyeballer when it comes to creating this stuff. This is something I've inherited from my mother. I've never seen that woman use a recipe in her life. Even if she did, she wouldn't follow the recipe. She would add her own ingredients and make up her own instructions along. Cooking at home was always an intuitive and dynamic experience guided by whatever ingredients we had in our kitchen. Growing up, my family had a very firm rule that no food gets wasted or thrown away in our household. Therefore, getting creative using scraps or leftovers in our meals was an ordinary occurrence. Okay, I'm digressing. The eyeballing phase consists of throwing a bunch of ingredients in a bowl and hoping for the best. Because I've done this quite a few times before, I have a general idea of what ingredients are needed for a cake, what consists a cake batter should have or at what temperature I should bake the cake. If you're new to this and want to start developing recipes on your own, don't hesitate reading other recipes that are similar to what you want to create in order to get familiar with the process, the concept, and the ingredients that go into it. Working for Food52 got me used to developing recipes using cups as measurements. While cups are not the most reliable way of measuring ingredients, weighing the ingredients is, I prefer starting with cups and eventually converting those into grams for the sake of keeping the recipe as neat as possible. Let me explain. It's much easier to start with one cup of flour and convert that into a number of grams rather than trying to convert 143 grams of flour into one cup, two tablespoons, and half a teaspoon of flour. See what I'm saying? Alright, back to eyeballing. When it comes to baking, I like to start with the wet ingredients first and mixing the dry ingredients until I reach the desired batter consistency. For the first test, I went in with two eggs as a binder, cocoa powder, half a cup of coffee to deepen the chocolate flavor of the cake, sugar, extra virgin olive oil for richness and fat, and a couple of other things. Lastly, I added enough flour to reach a decent cake batter consistency. Now, I know you're not supposed to do this and I'm not advising you to do so, but I always try the raw cake batter first to make sure it's sweet enough or it's salty enough or it's not missing anything. Do this before you add any eggs just to be sure but I feel like it's a great way to figure out what's missing without having to bake an entire cake then tasting it and figuring that you miss adding salt or something. Alright so this was my first eyeball test. I baked the thing in a loaf tin and called it a day. From here to the final product all you're gonna do is taste, test, taste again and test again. Once the chocolate cake is ready, it's time to taste, analyze, and figure out what went wrong or right. For this particular test, I had the following complaints. The color of my cake was too light, the taste wasn't chocolatey enough, the crumb was too dense, and the cake overall was too dry. All of that meaning the cake needs more cocoa powder for a deeper, richer chocolate taste. There's too much flour and there's not enough fat. 
resulting in a dry cake and a dense crumb. As you can see, it's a very basic trial and error process, and the next draft comes with solutions to the problems we've identified. Therefore, in my next recipe draft, I added more cocoa powder for a deeper chocolatey flavor and darker color, removed some of the flour, removed half a cup of coffee, and used instant coffee instead. This way, I can keep the deep coffee flavor and use richer liquids that'll add more moisture and fat to the cake, like heavy cream. And lastly, I added some extra heavy cream for a more tender, moist, and soft crumb. Once we've improved the recipe, I baked the cake in a loaf tin. It was rising beautifully for the first 25 minutes, then it suddenly collapsed in the last five. That tells me the cake was too heavy and rich and didn't have enough structure for it to stay risen, so it simply collapsed, which means there's not enough gluten or flour in the cake. The good news was the taste and texture were perfect. A rich, soft, borderline brownie type of cake with a beautiful crumb and nice level of moisture. I gotta admit, I inhaled about three slices of hot cake as soon as it came out of the oven. It was so juicy and tender and delicious. I had a hot copy with copy. I had a hot coffee with it and I don't even drink hot coffee but for some reason it's just the combo of hot cake, hot coffee felt really nice. All there was left to do here was add a tiny bit more flour for the test so it wouldn't sink so deep and call it a day. I decided to move the cake from a loaf tin to a round one just for aesthetic purposes. I feel like if a loaf cake sinks it's kind of a disappointment but if a round one does it's kind of like oh look at this rustic looking cake it's so beautiful you know so, so that was like a nice little solution there. I tested the cake again with a quarter cup of extra flour and it still felt like a bit too much flour so I removed half of it I was left over with an eighth of a cup of extra flour and that was the final sweet spot and that my friend is how I develop a recipe it's a very rustic way to do it but this is just how I got used to doing it and I know what you'll ask next what happens to all these failed tests do you throw them away where are they going and to be fair I rarely end up with a test that isn't edible all this food gets frozen, turned into a leftover, or gifted if it's delicious and pretty enough to be gifted. While cakes might end up dry, they're still very much edible and can be turned into something delicious. You can fry a slice of dry cake in butter, add some jam on top, and you've got yourself a delicious sweet little breakfast. Bread pudding? Hello? You can use cake instead of bread and it's the best thing ever. Also cake pops. Turns out dry cake makes a tasty cake pop. I honestly like this part of recipe development. It's almost like a fun, creative challenge figuring out ways to use all these leftover scraps and i'm sure you figured this by now baked goods take quite a few tests to develop due to all the factors influencing their texture taste structure meanwhile cooked or raw dishes take as little as two tests sometimes there's not that much to test in a salad or steamed broccoli you know it's just like you put a bunch of raw stuff together if it tastes good it's great and you do it again to make sure you didn't mess anything up and that's pretty much it well this concludes the end of this recipe post i really hope you give this a go if you have some troubles with it feel free to leave some comments down below asking me questions about the recipe if you have recipe ideas or other topics that you would like me to discuss feel free to leave them in the comments and that was pretty much it for today thank you so much for listening to this scraps episode i am carolina gellen and i'm wishing you a happy monday